Good morning. You may be seated. It is wonderful to be here to worship today. I know quite a few of us gathered here yesterday to celebrate a wonderful wedding, and it, um, it's beautiful to be back here to worship. Um, before we begin, we just have a couple of announcements um, to draw your attention to. Um, notice that Lunch Bunch is meeting um, this week, and so all are welcome to join them there at Olive Garden, um, as well as the upcoming um, movie night for the third Saturday of the month. The description of the movie is there um, in the bulletin, um, as well as marking your calendars for October's movie night, um, where there's a special tease, it seems, coming. Um, and we also wanted to read for you um, a message that came out in the newsletter for the House of Hope, um, which, as you all know, is a ministry um, that we contribute to at the beginning of every month. Um, so we just wanted to let you know a little bit about what goes on um, beyond just the giving of the meal that we do. So they write, last month, with your help, we were able to have a record-setting month. Would you believe that we filled 369 beds? We did. That is a count of how many heads lay in a bed due to our organization this month. Breaking that information down further, we had a total of 22 unique guests in August. 18 of those were men, and of those 18, eight left with new jobs and a new residence. Four were women, and of those four, three left with jobs and a place to stay. We had two of our guests get signed up for medical insurance as well. We have had a total of 96 unique guests up until the end of August. We are helping a lot of people. None of this would be possible if not for people and organizations like you. Your donations allow us to provide the much-needed help for those willing to accept it. Our financials are public, and we are in need to increase our donations, which are down for the year. As the amount of staff to provide for guests in our 24-7 operations has increased, so does the need for monetary donations from our community. I hope that our combined mission will allow us to be here for many more years and to help many more people. We are a community and none of us can do it alone. Your help is needed and greatly appreciated. So we celebrate with them the great work that is helping at the House of Hope. Um, and as you heard in their newsletter, in addition to um, the meals that were provided, it sounds like they need um, some more financial assistance. So if that's something that God puts on your heart, um, know that they, they need that help. Um, in other news, our charge conference is coming up October 9th. Um, so you'll begin to see notices about meetings um, to approve our financials, um, to approve leadership positions. And so if you have on your heart that you would like to take on a new position, or if one of you deeply feels that you need to relieve your position, um, you can speak to me and, and we will be nominating our leadership for the next year on October 19th. Are there any other announcements? Yes, Nancy. Wonderful. And I think that concert at Trinity is probably the closest to us geographically. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. So, 
So hopefully um, we'll see some of you all there tonight to enjoy that music. Are there any other announcements? Well then, shall we rise together as we join in our call to worship? We gather together in the name of the one who bids us come. We gather together to sing praises of the one who teaches peace. Come, let us worship. And now will you join me in prayer to our Father. Dear Father, quiet our minds. Still our hearts for your loving ways are all we seek. Strengthen our lives. Inspire our spirits. For in your living waters flow endless grace. Amen. The choir will lead us in a moment of praise with the anthem. You may be seated.
As the choir returns to their seats, we're going to prepare to sing our offertory hymn together. Um, this is God Leads Us Along, and I have to tell you, this is a new one that I'm learning. So I need you all to sing strong so that you can help teach me, all right? <laughs> Will you rise as we sing together? smile. Get it, Nancy. 
Let us pray. Lord God, we are so thankful that you have made a way for us to gather here together today, that you have made a way for us to come and worship you in praise and song and scripture and fellowship. And now, Lord, as we give our offerings to you, we ask that you would bless all that we give, bless those who give and those who, who do not, who come, Lord, with um, all that they are in their hearts before you. Bless all, Lord, in their offering to you. May this offering go and grow your kingdom. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the alabaster box. She made her way to Jesus. She stumbled through tears that made her blind. She felt such pain. Some spoke in anger. She heard folks whisper, there's no place here for her kind. Still on she came. The shame that flushed her face until at last she knelt before his feet. Oh, she spoke no word, everything she said was heard, and she poured her.
Let us pour praise upon him. Amen. seated. As we begin our time of prayer together, I would ask that we would start with a praise. Does someone have a praise to lift before the Lord? Yes, Michael. Praise God. Praise God for, it's Lillian, correct, if you're in? Yeah, praise God for the healing of Lillian, and we will continue to pray for her. 
Are there other praises that we lift up today? Praise for beautiful music. We offer a praise for the um, wedding that happened yesterday and for um, the love of that couple, and we'll pray for them um, as they, they're traveling to Tennessee instead of to the coast with the hurricane. Um, so we offer prayers for their safe travels here. Are there any other praises? Yes. Yes, well, praise God that um, for all those who've been spared in the hurricane, and we'll continue to pray for those who have sustained more damage, um, both in the Bahamas and in here. Are there any other praises today? Praise be to God. Yes. Mm. Wonderful. Wonderful. Times like this really remind us of the protection that God is bringing around us at all points. And, and he's just opened our eyes to that protection now. Praise God. Are there any other? Yes. Barbara. Wonderful. Happy Grandparents' Day to all. Any other praises that we lift up today? Well, I'll read those on the list, and then I'll ask that you raise up any others that you would like. We lift up the family of Connie Dalton, Faye Wells, Neil Coleman, Robert Carter, Marina Garzon, Gail Garrison, Elizabeth LaPointe, Tara Morlock, Dot Sowers, Kat Dodson, Melanie Patterson, Carolyn Ware, Dixie Griffin, The Sullivan Family, Jerome Cook, Todd Cook, Mildred Moore, Bill Dyer, Gina Zikafus, Molly Smith, Gail Garrison, Barbara Lee, Dolly Lewis, Elizabeth LaPointe, Ann Farmer, Chris Farmer, Vicki Castle, and Hannah Cook. Are there others that we lift up today?
<laughs> we'll be praying for Marie as she as she champions her husband's care. Um, and in case those of you who couldn't hear, um, very critical there that Gail is in um, room 81 in Roman Eagle. Um, and so any visitors will definitely help keep him keep him alert if he feels. <laughs> Are there any others that we lift up in prayer? Yes. We'll be praising that celebration that is doubtless occurring in heaven and praying for you and, and for your mother. So are there any others that we lift up? Yes, Linda. Okay. We'll be praying for Teresa Mayo as she recovers from her back surgery. There any others that we lift up in prayer today? Well, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, we give you praise today. We see your hand protecting, your hand holding, your hand guiding us all through our lives. We are so aware in this time as, um, as hurricanes have passed by so many who, who we thought they would affect that um, you are forever offering protection to us, Lord, that your almighty hand is always watching out for us. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for those blessings that so often go unnoticed, unseen, and recognized, but that nevertheless you are pouring out on us. We thank you for your mercy that you have not dealt with us as, um, as we deserve, Lord, but you have instead sent your son, Jesus, Lord, and living and loving and dying and rising, that he has saved us. For that, we give you all the praise, all the glory, all the thanksgiving, Lord, all the praise that we could possibly pour out upon you. We ask for continued prayers today for those who, who were not spared destruction in the hurricane. Father, we know that you can bring good things out of destruction, that so often out of what appears to be chaos, or, or loss or death, you bring new life and new purpose and new beings. So, Father, we ask that you would pour new life into those who, who are suffering loss from the hurricane. We also lift up those that we've named before you today. Father, you know their needs and their wants and their deepest desires. You know that we, above all, need you that we need you to be at the forefront of our lives. And for that, we pray for these people and for ourselves, that we would keep our eyes wholly fixed on you during all of our times of healing or of grieving or of caring, Lord, whatever task you have set before us for this week, we ask that, that we would keep our eyes fixed on you during that time. We pray for this community, Father, that we would be drawn ever closer to you. We pray that you would be our leader and our guide. Of, of this church, of this city, and of this nation, that we may walk in the way that leads to life. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our scriptures today are our third week of scriptures surrounding um, the theme of Sabbath, our third and final week. Um, and the first of those scriptures will come once again out of the book of Deuteronomy, this time from chapter 15, verses 1 
through 11. Every seventh year you shall grant a remission of debts. And this is the manner of the remission. Every creditor shall remit the claim that is held against a neighbor, not exacting it of the neighbor who is a member of the community because the Lord's remission has been proclaimed. Of a foreigner you may exact it, but you must remit your claim on whatever any member of your community owes you. There will, however, be no one in need among you because the Lord is sure to bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you as a possession to occupy. If only you will obey the Lord your God by diligently observing this entire commandment that I command you today. When the Lord your God has blessed you as he promised you, you will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. You will rule over many nations, but they will not rule over you. If there is among you anyone in need, a member of your community in any of your towns within the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your needy neighbor. You should rather open your hand, willingly lending enough to meet the need, whatever it may be. Be careful that you do not entertain a mean thought, thinking the seventh year, the year of remission is near, and therefore view your needy neighbor with hostility and give nothing your neighbor might cry to the Lord against you, and you would incur guilt. Give liberally and be undergirding when you do so, for on this account the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. Since there will never cease to be some in need on the earth, I therefore command you, open your hand to the poor and needy neighbor in your land. And our second reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in desolate living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have enough bread and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, 
for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never even given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed a fatted calf for him? Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have called us from death to life. That you have sent your son, Lord, to be the sacrifice to make us right with you. We ask that you would send yourself once more, send your Holy Spirit, pour it out upon us, Lord, that we might hear a a new word, a new instruction, a new commandment in these words once more. Take these words that I am about to say, Lord, and bless them, shape them, make them holy in a way that is, is beyond humans so that we might all experience the presence of your grace. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This is, as I said, the third week we've been talking about Sabbath together today. And in that first week, we read the Sabbath as it was recorded on Mount Sinai, uh, words that were probably very familiar to you surrounding the Sabbath. And there God commanded that each week, one day, is given to all people, right? You remember it said your, your sons, your daughters, your male, your female slaves, even your ox and your cattle. All of creation is given one day to be restored to right standing before God. Where A day where each and every one of us can put our focus on God and put our focus on loving one another as we have been asked to. In this time, once a week, For 24 hours, there is vibrant life. The scriptures that we read today are probably not as familiar to us, certainly not in the theme of the Sabbath. We read today about God guiding the community, guiding his people to this life-giving restoration of the Sabbath, not once a week, but once every seven years. In Leviticus, when, when this is described, they call it the Sabbath year. The Sabbath year. If 24 hours of a Sabbath day is radically disruptive to our lives, if 24 hours where God asks us to stop and rest and look at him is a merciful disruption of our lives, of our busyness and our chaos, then what is described in Deuteronomy for us is certainly a radical interruption of our community. It is certainly a radical act of the mercy of God to step in every seven years and to shake up those things that we think are most unshakable, to come in and disrupt our, our very books of accounting, right? Because once every seven years here in Deuteronomy, God says debts, they're canceled, Debtors, they're released from their bonds. The chains of these financial burdens that bind us, they are broken. Those chains are shattered, obliterated, no more to be thought about. God tells us here that because of this, 
there should be no poor among us. Right? He says, I have blessed you so greatly that if, if you manage your blessings well, if you give with generous hearts, if you do not hold your wealth over one another, there will be no poor among you. But because God knows us, he tells us the poor will always be with you. And so because of that, he says, listen to this commandment. Because there will be always be poor, give generously. Give with open, unconstrained hearts. Give mercy, give grace, give blessing, give love. And once every seven years, yes, give forgiveness. Give release from the debts that the poor owe you. Give generously. The Lord knows that we are so often inclined to selfish ways. Amen. We are so often inclined to want to gather and hoard and save up for those rainy seasons. So God tells his people this in Deuteronomy. Be careful not to harbor this wicked, wicked thought. The seventh year, the year for canceling debts, is near so that you do not show ill will to the needy among you. God knows that our inclination is to give in places that we think will bear fruit for us. Is to give to ministries that we think will, will somehow give back to us to benefit us. Or to give to people who can, in the future, return the favor. Or if we're to give and expect nothing in return, God knows our inclination is to give so that we can get the honor of saying, I have given and asked for nothing back. God knows our selfish hearts, but instead he commands us to give with an open hand towards those in our community, to those who are poor, to those who are needy. He says even to other nations. You can almost hear the words of Jesus as he tells the parable of the man who invited all the rich and the wealthy to his wedding feast and none of them show up. And then he says, you know what? Go and invite them off of the street. You can almost hear the words of Jesus telling you, invite the people off the streets to your marriage feast. Invite those people who will never be able to pay you back. Invite those for whom you will get no honor for helping. Both there and in Deuteronomy, we are to give with no thought of what we will get back. We are to live in light of the Sabbath, not just on the seventh day or on that seventh year, but on every day and every year, we are to live looking towards the Sabbath. Not looking towards the Sabbath as in we're guarding our possessions and we're waiting for that time when God says, release your debts but to look towards the Sabbath is the day when God gives generously to us, is the day when God releases our debts, is the day when we receive mercy and grace and love and blessing and, yes, forgiveness, when we receive openly from God's own hand. We are to live looking towards that Sabbath giving, that Sabbath blessing that the Lord has given to us. And in turn, 
as we look upon our neighbor, we are to remember the release that God has given us. And so we are to release the chains that bind up our generosity, the chains that keep our hearts imprisoned, and release freely the gifts that God has shown us. This Sabbath year, once every seven years, is called by some the year of release. And that name comes out of the very Deuteronomy scriptures we read today. Deuteronomy doesn't call the year this, but Deuteronomy says again and again, release, release your debts, release your debtors, release your self-serving interests, release your hard heart into love. And when you release, find that there is release for yourself. Find that there is release from your jail of sin. Find that there is release from the cage that you have bound yourself in, the cage of our mistreatment of one another. Find release when you release your debtors, when you release your bounty. This is the power of Jesus' life-giving breath, not just on the Sabbath day, but in the Sabbath year as well. This year of release is expanded in Leviticus, and I want to read for you there what Leviticus tells us about the Sabbath year. You shall count off seven Sabbath years, seven times seven years. On the day of atonement, you shall sound the trumpet throughout all your land. It shall be a year of jubilee to you, and each of you shall return to his own property. You shall not sow or reap. Leviticus goes on to describe this year in great detail, this year that happens every seven cycles of seven years. But in essence, what Leviticus is telling us is that this is the Sabbath of Sabbaths. This is the year of jubilee. This is the year of joy. This Sabbath time is a year when the entire ground is released from its duty per to produce. This is a time when property is released from those who hold it back to those who once God gave it to. When people are released to return to their families, to the ones who love them, and when liberty is released to all. This is a time of great joy. The Sabbath is a time to be celebrated. It is a time when God restores things to the right way, the way they are meant to be. The Sabbath is a time for new beginnings, a time for new life to enter in, a time for us to begin again in an unheard of way. When all of our debts and all of our preconceived notions and all of our holding our gifts and our bounties and our debts over one another are released in the Sabbath year, we start afresh. This is a beautiful, radical, merciful disruption of our lives on the Sabbath. I know many of you who know your biblical history are thinking, yes, pastor, but there's no evidence Israel ever practiced this, <laughs> right? There's, there's no evidence that it was practiced before they went into exile. And think practically. The year of Jubilee can't be practiced after the exile. The tribes are scattered. Who would you give property back to? How would we say return to the tribe of Benjamin was, was what was once the tribe of Benjamins? We don't know what land belonged to them. We don't even know who the people of the tribe of Benjamin are anymore. And you're right. 
There are parts of this commandment that we simply cannot practice in the way that God once meant Israel to practice them. But I also don't believe in ever dismissing any part of the Bible. I don't think we can brush this off as an ideal or as some kind of naive or socialist utopia where we just give back everything that we own. We don't get to dismiss this commandment. And I know that because Jesus' parable about the prodigal son speaks a very, very similar release. In the parable of the prodigal son, Jesus tells us about a time when families are restored, when a home is put back in right order, when property is returned to those who once should have had it. It speaks of a time of jubilee, a time of great celebration, a time of great joy, a time of new beginnings again. Bring the fatted calf, the father says. Let us have a feast and celebrate this is a time of joy. And it is a time when the debts of the sun are released, when human notions of justice are not upheld, but are in fact put aside in favor of mercy and love. More than the celebration, though, Jesus speaks of this mercy in the parable. In this story, the son, this prodigal son, turned his back upon his father. He walked away. He walked away from his family. He walked away from his duty. He walked away from a great, great love. He walked away from a lot of privilege to have been born into a wealthy family. The son makes a series of choices, and they are his choices. They are his and his alone. He chooses to ask for what is rightfully his when his father dies before his father dies, which is in essence a choice to look at his father and say, I am ready for you to die because I want what is mine. He chooses physical possession over family. And then he chooses, as he walks away, to squander it. And the Bible glosses over what he squanders it on in the beginning, but his older son, or his older brother, spares him. No glossing over. We're told he wastes it on prostitutes, right? He chooses not just to spend the money, not just to take the money, but to waste it on prostitutes and all the things that come with that. He then chooses to labor for a long time because he cannot face the shame of what he has done. He chooses to run away from the guilt of his sin. And make no mistake, it is sin. It is sin that he and he alone bears. His choices are his own. And when he returns to his father, the first brave thing he does the whole story he does not deserve anything. Worldly justice says that the father would be right to turn him away. Worldly justice says the father would be right if he made him a servant to pay off his debts. 
Worldly justice says he does not deserve anything. And yet his father pours mercy out in abundance. He accepts him. He showers him with grace and love and forgiveness. The father, out of the power of his own mercy, releases the debts of his son and restores what his son's sin once broke. It does not matter that this mercy is not earned. The father willingly bestows it upon his children. And then, in church, here is the convicting part for us. And then the father asks that his other children extend the same mercy that he has. When the older son is indignant, indignant that this kind of mercy could be extended to his brother, the father reminds him, Reminds him that it is not really the son's mercy to extend. Reminds him that he has always been showered in blessing. And the father asks if we can extend to one another the same mercy that he has extended to us. Because we have wandered far from home, church. As individuals, our choices are our own. I do not know the choices you have made, and you do not know the ones I have made, but rest assured, our sin rests squarely on our shoulders. And we have wandered far from home as a church, as a community. We have made choices. Choices to not extend one another mercy. Choices to not release debts. Choices to not give with open hearts. We have broken relationships in the grip of sin. And yet God in his mercy has released us from our debts. Our debts, church, they are too great to release. In any kind of earthly logic, we owe way too much to be forgiven. And yet at great personal cost, Jesus releases our debts. At great personal cost, he goes to the cross and he dies so that he may pour out mercy. At great personal cost, Jesus releases you as an individual. And at great personal cost, Jesus releases us as a community so that we can try again to pour out mercy on one another. So yes, once a week for 24 hours, the Lord asks us to stop and to extend mercy to one another, to look towards our family and remember that God has poured out great mercy, great grace, great love, great blessing, and yes, great forgiveness on us. And once every seven years, and once every seven set of seven years, the Lord asks us to treat the world with the same mercy that he has treated us with. We have received in Jesus Christ the glorious coverings of righteousness. That's what the Bible tells us, that in the eyes of God we are justified. And on the Sabbath day, he asks us to act like we're righteous. He asks us to show each other the mercy that we have learned from the Father. So church... I challenge you, sound the trumpet. 
Sound that trumpet loudly. Sound it so that it echoes through the halls of this church, so that it rings from sea to signing sea. Call forth the day when it is time for a Sabbath release of mercy. Make today the time that we release our debts. Make today the time that we celebrate with great joy our return to one another. Set the banquet feast so that we might invite the neighbors. You have received your atonement from the Lord. You have received your mercy. So now observe the Sabbath and find that you can extend that same mercy to one another. Observe the Sabbath and find that God is restoring our lives back to right order. The Lord is seeking to use you and your Sabbath observance to restore the relationships of this community, to show the world what it would look like to live under the rule of Jesus' mercy. So let us celebrate the Sabbath, not as a burden, not as a scary disruption of the way things ought to be, but as a joy, as a merciful joy that God has treated us with mercy so that we may be merciful to one another. Amen. We come now to a time where we are going to Celebrate and sing together our closing hymn, Let There Be Peace on Earth. This is hymn number 431 in your blue hymnals, if you would like the music. Will you rise as we sing together? you all. Amen. Amen.